Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Another young, excellent reporter from CampusReform.org comes on with us today. It's William Biagini, who we had you on last September, William. You must have done a good job. We've got you back. How are you? I'm doing great. It was great. Uh, I loved being interviewed on this show. I'm um, glad to be back. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Really good. I'm glad that you suited up. I feel like I need to throw a tie on. I, I always feel underdressed when, when you reporters come in and you look so good. Um, I, you know, I, I used to actually, I, be, I was a reporter and an anchor on a, on a TV station for a long time. And that was my suit every day. So now it's sort of sweatpants and a shirt. Is that okay? Yeah, it's great. I mean, <laughs> well, when I went to church, uh, back when I uh, went to church uh, services, uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I had a, a guy told me, he said that, you know, I can't be a real man unless I learn how to tie a double Windsor knot. So, you know, I had to go home and learn how to do that. So. Well, you know, he was wrong because I always I always did the half Windsor. The double Windsor looks good, but it's a really big knot, William. You could do a half Windsor a and get really away with it. It is a really big knot. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I actually like to go with the half Windsor because, um, you know, I'm, I don't have that big of a neck. I think you should put it in his face and say, look, I'm going half Windsor. Back off, sir. Um, all right, let's talk about Florida State University. That's where you go to school. You're a Seminole. It's in Tallahassee. Is it cold in Tallahassee right now? By the way, it kind of is, isn't it? Yes, it is kind of cold. It's like mid-40s right now. Um, I've lived all over the country um, and in some other countries as well, uh, and the temperatures there got you know near zero. So for me personally, it's not that cold. Yeah. Uh, but for a bunch of native uh, Floridians here, you know, they're going out in ski jackets. <laughs> well, I grew up in South Florida, so I didn't deal with it too much. But I did spend a little bit of time in Tallahassee. Uh, it's it's a nice city, but um, there's a lot of crime. In fact, uh, Andrew Gillum was the mayor of Tallahassee, I believe, when he ran against uh, Ron DeSantis. Thank God you guys dodged that bullet. But uh, what's the city like? Is it a fun city? Is it a nice city? It's a fun city. Um, I did not have a car or any vehicle in my freshman year, so I was pretty much confined to the college <laughs> town, which uh, I didn't really like. But uh, once I was able to you know, uh, get a vehicle, now I can go explore the city. And it's actually a lot nicer than just the amenities that college town presents. Is it your general uh, blue city, though, because there's a college there, a big university there? I would say, yes, it is uh, quite a blue city. Um, on the campus specifically, it can be hard to quantify, you know, are there more liberals or more uh, conservatives on yeah. the campus? Um, but the liberal ideology is definitely more prevalent on the campus. What's funny is that Florida State, uh, if I understand this correctly, is close enough to the, the very, very red part of Florida that uh, you would almost think that the politics would bleed through. But then again, I'm 40 miles from Austin. And the University of Texas at Austin is extremely liberal, and Austin is almost like Portland now. So I would imagine it's a very, very bright blue spot in the middle of, of a lot of red, no? 
Yeah, that's an excellent way to put it. Uh, my parents live about two and a half hours away, and in that community, uh, there are it's mainly just um, retired military personnel, and they're all pretty much just red. It's uh, William Biagini. He's a reporter for uh, camp- a correspondent for CampusReform.org. Go there and check out all the great stories these young reporters do every day. Uh, well, one last question about about that area of Florida, and even those that you go to school with. And again, a lot will be liberal, but are they quietly saying, "Yeah, but DeSantis is pretty good"? I mean, I, I know of Democrats who are like, "You know, I'm a Democrat, and I believe, and I voted for Obama, but uh, DeSantis is pretty good." Are they coming around to DeSantis or not? It depends on who you talk to. Um, I talk to a lot of liberals every day, you know, uh, either, you know, just interviewing them or, um, you know, just talking to them because I have a lot of liberal friends. And I guess it really depends on how entrenched in the leftist ideology they are, um, because I've talked to several who they will, you know, they'll they'll give a little ground to DeSantis. They'll say, yeah, DeSantis <laughs> is pretty good. I still hate him, but he's pretty good. Yeah. And then you have the other ones who are just, you know, I hate DeSantis all the way. Nothing he does uh, could ever be good. It's very, very interesting. It's William Biagini. You can follow him on Twitter, at Biagini William. It's B-I-A-G-I-N-I, William. And uh, he's a great follow. Again, correspondent from CampusReform.org. Let's get into these articles. Article argues for ways to get around potential affirmative action bans in anticipation of SCOTUS ruling. So they're already planning on how you can still break the law if they deem this to be unlawful after the SCOTUS makes a decision. Fill me in. Exactly. So here in this story um, for campus reform, universities are trying to find a way or trying to find multiple ways for that matter to still make quote unquote race conscious decisions in the admissions process should the Supreme Court undermine um, affirmative action in upcoming rulings. Some of these suggestions include ending the early admissions process altogether eliminating preferences for faculty children and giving higher admissions uh, rates to students who come from low income and first generation families. Okay. So they're assuming that the children of those who work there are generally white, I guess. And they're also assuming that white people don't live in low income uh, or high crime areas. And that's how they think they're going to, they're going to get around this. Exactly. That's how, that's exactly how they think they're going to get around this is by, you know, taking uh, characteristics that apply mainly to uh, white applicants and just seeing if they can uh, tweak those just a bit or actually in some cases quite a lot, ending the uh, faculty preferences for children to allow more um, black and Hispanic students. And what this really all boils down to is equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity, which is an anti-American ideal. Yeah, and that's uh, that's uh, actually the definition of equity, and equity is a synonym for socialism. It's William Biagini. He's from CampusReform.org. That's an interesting story to me, because why can't we just be colorblind? But why is it that they all pretend like they can co-opt MLK, yet not do what his dream was? It is so stunning to me. You shouldn't know what the ethnicity, the background, the ancestry, or the gender is of the person applying. You should know what his or her work has been so far and whether they qualify. I mean, it should be that simple, shouldn't it? Yes, it should. And you raise a valid point um, that I really like that you just said that. Um, So, you know, if I was in their shoes, right, if I made eradicating all the racism in the universe one of my life's dreams, then this does seem like something that I would celebrate, you know, Um, ending bans that prohibit students from a certain race from obtaining high admissions rates. Um, but actually what they want is equity. As we, as we just said, what they want is, are these socialist policies in the admissions process. They don't want equality of opportunity. 
which is the hallmark of the American dream. It's the promise that, that the founders made. They didn't uphold it very well, but we've done much better since. And equal opportunity is the law in this land, not equity, which is dumb. It's William B. Agini from CampusReform.org. Next story, Virginia soccer player receives a $100,000 settlement for social justice kneeling controversy. What's interesting is I don't know that a lot of people know about this story because the media has, has not reported on it much because she won uh, in the face of what they're all behind. But fill people in. I love this story. I love this story too, Joe. And as you said, the media is going to try to suppress stories that demonstrate conservative victories. Um, and, and, you know, here at the Leadership Institute's campus reform, we love reporting on stories like this all the time. And so here in this story, a former Virginia Tech University women's soccer player, Kirsten Henning, recently was awarded a $100,000 settlement after she was originally punished for refusing to kneel during the United States national anthem at a game. So back in 2021, the women's soccer team at Virginia Tech University decided to kneel for the national anthem uh, as a social justice demonstration. And when Henning refused to kneel, her coach punished her by berating her and saying, you know, that she's moaning and doing her own thing. And Henning also said that she saw her playing time on the field dramatically reduced and her bench time uh you know, it increased. And so this is a victory for conservatives. It's a victory that when conservative uh, conservative students and primarily student athletes um, stand up, literally stand up and say, no, we are not going to do this. We are going to stand for our nation's anthem, have a impact, which is what we see here. Obviously, and you broke up a little bit there, but we got the gist. Obviously, um, these people don't really stand for the uh, for, for the First Amendment. The argument has always been that Colin Kaepernick on down have the First Amendment right to express themselves as they wish. My argument was, you're wearing a uniform of a team, and the team can tell you that you can't do that because it somehow sullies the team, it sullies the the reputation. The NFL could have stopped it, the NBA could have stopped it, everybody could have stopped it. But if I if I believe the argument that they had the First Amendment right, and they don't when they're at work, but if they had the first that they had the First Amendment right to do anything they wanted to express themselves, why then doesn't the same argument apply to this young lady who is expressing herself the way that she wants? Why don't they see their own contradiction? Is what I'm asking, William. That's a great way to put it, um, and I think it boils down to this anti-American sentiment that has yes. completely taken over our college campuses. I mean, I had a professor the other day in class. She said that um, in order to better understand how 9-11 affected the lives of individual people, it must be separated from the patriotism surrounding it uh, when it's being taught. And so, yeah, it was really confusing. I didn't understand what she meant, but basically what she said was that America was metaphorically attacked and uh, individual people's lives were what's attacked. And it really does come down to anti-Americanism. And it's really quite confusing now that now these students and professors can – you know, bash America, bash its flag and bash its anthem and, and everything that it stands for. And they don't even realize the freedom that they have to do that, because that is not something that other nations around the world would tolerate at all. I mean, think about what would happen if that happened at a university in Russia. Oh, forget about it. Or a university just about anywhere else except here. Here, we just have to accept it. And it was not a metaphorical attack. As you know, it wasn't a figurative attack. It was a literal attack. We watched it unfold. And, and I'm guessing that she meant we should feel how individuals reacted to it differently when, in essence, and you're not really old enough to remember it, but in essence, what happened was we all galvanized. We all loved the flag. We all put them on our cars. They ran out of flags at every store because we couldn't show our patriotism enough. Why do you think a college professor would want us to not know that? Um, and again, I- I'm guessing that you probably weren't born when 9-11 happened. If you were, you just were. 
But um, what literally happened was we forgot about our politics. We forgot about race, forgot about anything that divided us and only were galvanized. A professor like this sounds like she, he or she is mad that we get, that we sort of circled around the flag. That's a good way to put it. Um, And, you know, after the 9-11 attacks happened, you know, America became unified as a nation once again. And that's exactly what these uh, uh, faculty at these universities and leftist students want to prohibit. They they don't like um, when Americans come together in unification. They hate, you, you know, the United States of America. They hate it when Americans have the patriotism to stand for their country. And when we don't tolerate these ideas we as conservatives will get berated on college campuses for this. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I really, I'm glad that you brought that up. It's William Biagini. He's a correspondent from campusreform.org. Go to that website every day like I do. Follow him on Twitter at Biagini William, and it's B-I-A-G-I-N-I. Um, go and follow him today. Let's go to the next one. Universities dismiss obesity epidemic contributing to Army's recruiting crisis. There was a, a person, and I just want to give you a side note here that might help get us into the story. Um, a person who has Dr. Something in her name on Twitter, who the other day posted some meme that uh, obesity was trending and Elon Musk's Twitter is now allowing a literal slur to trend. Now, you're a young, happening, smart guy. I'm an old, happening, smart guy. Obesity is an actual word that has a definition that that means somebody who is beyond a little overweight. There's somebody who is categorically, scientifically, and medically obese and should probably get some help or else he or she will die uh, because of that condition. So why are we attacking the word obese and why are we saying that obesity isn't happening when it literally is? Exactly. So in this story, there is a very clear link between what's going on in the classroom at universities and how it's affecting the military. So according to a recent report by the CDC titled Unfit to Serve, nearly one in three young adults aged 17 to 24 are, quote, too unfit to um, to serve in the nation's wow. military. And yeah, and this is perpetuated in the classroom by the body positivity and the fat acceptance movements. And basically what we have now is an obesity problem that is so bad that the military is feeling the effects of it. So just to give you an example, the the Army missed its recruiting mark by 25 percent. Um, and now the, the Army is having to expand its future soldier preparatory course, which is a program designed for recruits who fall short of the physical and academic standards. So basically what's happening is that what's going on uh, on the universities and in the classroom is working directly against the needs of the military. I'm trying to understand because it sounded like they're going to maybe expand who they'll recruit to include people who are unfit, which would be ridiculous for people in the armed forces. So they're down 25%. The study says 33% of young people are overweight and unfit. So the army is going to move its dial instead of saying too bad, get in shape. So what's happening is that the army has this course. It's called the uh, future soldier preparatory course. And this course is designed, you know, to help students who are potentially too over or uh, excuse me, to help recruits who are too overweight to go to boot camp, to go to basic training, to help them, you know, trim down the weight and to um, to help them do better on the ASVAB, the military um, academic test. And so now what they're having to do is expand this program, yeah. uh, which is it's recently been called um, Army Fat Camp, which is interesting because that that used to be what we understood as boot camp, right? right, right. Civilians would go to boot camp and they would get trained into battle ready soldiers. Now what's happening is that 
um, new recruits are fat to pass a basic PT test. Now they're having to go to these army fat camps, um, the future soldier preparatory course, just to get in shape enough to be able to go to boot camp. You have to go to a camp before you can go to boot camp because they're, they're too out of shape. You, you realize now that the story is out there that the left is going to freak out and how dare the army fat shame everybody now. That's really going to happen when you've got people in you know North Korea and China and Russia and elsewhere that are preparing their troops to be as physically fit as possible, and they're laughing at us with this woke garbage that's in the military. I'm glad you brought that story up. It's, it's insane, but I'm glad that we know about it. And yes, those of you who are considering going into the armed forces, maybe there's a way for you to get in shape before hitting boot camp, and I, I hope that works out. But there, is gonna, there are going to be attacks, William, because of the word fat or obese or whatever that's being utilized here. Absurd Harvard med courses or course teaches students about LGBTQ plus infants. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell you, that doesn't exist. There is no infant that can be categorized as LGBTQ+. But fill me in on this. Exactly. So, that yeah, I, I fully agree with you. It's absurd to think, um, as is clear in this story, it's, it's, absurd, it's absurd to think that, you know, infants who can't even crawl yet are in the LGBTQ plus community. However, what's happening in this story is that a new course at Harvard Medical School is aiming to teach students on, you know, how to, quote unquote, serve um, these patients who are in the LGBTQ plus community, who are supposedly gay and queer and bisexual. And they're um, infants. And in this community. And, yep, and they're infants. They can barely crawl yet, and somehow they're gay, according to this quote. Who's deciding that? Who's, who's deciding that they're gay? And why is this always at some pinhead school like Harvard? I thought they were the top of the top of the most elite. This isn't elite. This is dumb. Yeah, exactly. It used to be that way. Um, colleges are, are used to be, you know, institutions of higher learning where you would go to obtain a college degree. Now what's happening is they've become, you know, institutions of indoctrination. And I think that leads to one of the main problems here, which is kind of a two prong attack uh, on on two different groups of people. One is the medical students. They're indoctrinating the medical students to into this kind of ideology. And the second attack is they're sexualizing children. How yes. do kids even know what these terms are or what this thing is yeah. if someone is not actively grooming them to think this way? Very, very, very good point. William, I appreciate you coming on. William Biagini, follow him, B-I-A-G-I-N-I, William, over on Twitter, and see everything he does on campusreform.org. Great job. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be here. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Great to have you. Thanks. I always appreciate uh, the young reporters coming on from campusreform.org. Make sure you stop by that website. Check out the stories they do every day. Also stop by JoePags.com. All the social media is there. The videos are there. Everything's there. Go and check them out. We appreciate you doing that. Let's do some pop culture. Bip. Dirty pop. Hi, Polo. Make it happen. All right. So to follow up on that story you talked about earlier in the week, um, I'd probably like to further disappoint you with, with everything in the world. Uh, the M&M's are going to be called Ma and Yaz. What, is, what does that even mean, Paul? Maya Rudolph. Ma and Yaz. Stop it. And it's got, like, her face on them. Stop it. I cannot. Dude. Enjoy. Why, why, mess, why mess with 
<laughs> a product that has been so successful for so long. My God. Okay. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That's Sam. That is Polo. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.